0: Hi guys, happy Wednesday. I hope you guys are having a great week so far. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Now, before we get into it, I want to remind you, because I've been getting a lot of questions on it, that we are doing Halloween this year. Very exciting. If you're new here and are unsure about what Halloweek is, you've never heard of it before, Halloweek is something we do here on Killer Instinct, where in the five days leading up to Halloween, we post back-to-back cases. So from October 27th to October 31st, instead of just getting the typical one video a week, we are doing five back-to-back crazy true crime cases. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you are listening to it on. That way you will be notified when we start Halla Week, and you'll also be notified for all the other cases that we post. We post weekly here every single Wednesday when it's a not Halla Week. so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. Now for today's episode, we have another wild case. Today we are talking about a woman named Sheila Labar. Sheila is considered a female serial killer, which is something we don't see very often, which is part of the reason I was very intrigued and determined to cover this case today. I always find it very fascinating when we're dealing with female serial killers or just female offenders in general. So with that being said, let's just jump right on in. To it today. So Sheila was born on July fourth, nineteen fifty-eight, and her maiden name was Sheila K. Bailey. Sheila was born in Alabama, and she has a sister named Lynn. In 1976, Sheila graduated from Fort Payne High School. Sheila's nickname growing up was Firecracker. That was what she was called by her family and friends, and it reflected her personality to a T. Sheila was also described as very smart and charming. She knew how to be very manipulative. That's what people said about her. She knew how to get what she wanted, and once she had her mind set on something, that's what she was going to do. She was very hard-headed in that way. Now, Sheila has been married multiple times. She got married to her first husband, a man named Ronnie Jennings, so she became Sheila Bailey Jennings. After being married to Ronnie, Sheila decided the relationship wasn't working out and she wanted a divorce. Now, there isn't much out there about the cause or reasoning as to why she wanted this divorce. However, when she presented to Ronnie that she didn't wanna be with him anymore, he actually refused to divorce Sheila for some time after she told him that. However, ultimately, she did end up getting a divorce from Ronnie. After her divorce, she ended up checking in to a psychiatric facility after a suicide attempt. This was in the early 1980s, and Sheila did not have a good experience at this facility because she had been sexually assaulted by an employee who worked at the psychiatric center. Now, after leaving the psychiatric facility, Sheila then went on to marry her second husband, which is a man named John Baxter. The two of them got married in 1981, however, that marriage also did not last. So now we move to 1987. And during this time, Sheila ended up moving to a place called Epping, New Hampshire. Now, Epping is a fairly small community with about a population of 5,000 people in 1990. It's a town known for its historic architecture and overall, it's just a very quaint and cute town located in Rockingham County. But there was a very particular reason that Sheila went to Epping and that was that she had answered a personal ad from a man named Wilfred Bill Labar. Wilfred Labar was a chiropractor who was very well-liked in the community. He also made a lot of money. Wilfred owned one of the the largest pieces of real estate in epping his house stood on an 115 acre horse farm and he absolutely loved it wilfred seemed to have everything going for him he had a great job a great house however the one thing he was missing in his life was someone to share it with now similar to sheila Wilfred had also been married twice before, so this is where Sheila comes in. Sheila, who, mind you, is 34 years younger than Wilfred, answered this ad, After she answered the ad, she ended up moving to Epping and basically just became Wilfred's world at that point. Sheila gave Wilfred affection and companionship, and the people who knew him said that he just got very swept up in Sheila's beauty and her youth and fell head over heels for her. Now, Sheila very much made her presence known when she got to Epping. She demanded that people call her Mrs. Labar, even though her and Wilfred were not legally married, and she lived in Wilfred's house with him, and everything that Wilfred had over time became Sheila's. Now, in 2000, the year 2000, Wilfred ended up suddenly passing away when he was 74 years old. So, Sheila and Wilfred were together from 1987 to the year 2000 when it came to Wilfred's death. And Wilfred's cause of death was a very mysterious heart attack. And a lot of people were very thrown off at Wilfred's death because he seemed like a very healthy guy. Even though Wilfred did have children from his previous Previous relationships, Sheila ended up inheriting his entire property, saying that she was his common law wife. Now, after Wilfred's death, Sheila didn't really seem very bothered by it. She continued to live her life in Epping up until 2006 when she met a man named Kenny County. Now, Kenny was 24 years old when he met Sheila, which was half of Sheila's age at that point. Sheila was 48 years old at this time. The two of them were still living in Epping, and their relationship started out very purely physical. They would just get together and drink and have sex. Now, this is where the description we gave of Sheila earlier about being manipulative and knowing how to get what she wants comes into play. Because once the two of them got together, Sheila tried and succeeded in isolating Kenny from his friends and family, and really just got him to focus on her and his relationship together. Shortly after meeting Sheila, Kenny actually moved in with her. So, he moved into the house that Sheila used to live in with Wilfred. It's really Wilfred's house that the two of them moved into. So, that is where Kenny was residing at this point. Now, Sheila did such a good job at isolating Kenny from his friends and family, that she actually got him to not talk to his mother for weeks. So, after weeks of his mom not being able to get a hold of him, she ended up contacting the authorities to file a missing persons report. Kenny's mom said that the last thing she knew was that Kenny got picked up by a woman whose name started with the letter S and drove a black Cadillac car. So just based off of this description alone, police automatically knew that the woman that Kenny was with was Sheila. So after getting this missing persons report, the authorities ended up driving to Sheila's house to do a welfare check on Kenny. And when they knocked on the door, Kenny answered it and he talked to the authorities. He told them that he was absolutely fine and that everything was good. And because he's 24 years old, he's an adult. So he doesn't have to talk to his mother every day if he doesn't want to. He can go off the grid if that's what he wants. He was allowed to stay with Sheila if that's also what he wanted. So because of all of those things, authorities really couldn't do anything. There was nothing for them to do. So they ended up leaving. Now, this is where something else comes into play. This is where a different dynamic comes into this scenario. And that is, is that it was at this time that authorities learned through Kenny's mother that Kenny actually had developmental issues and that he has an IQ of a 12 year old. So even though he legally is 24 years old, developmentally, he's still only 12. But because again, he's legally 24, he's not legally 12, authorities couldn't really do anything about it. Now, a couple weeks later, authorities randomly saw Kenny with Sheila at the town's local Walmart. And this time, police said that Kenny looked a little different. Authorities said that Kenny had some bruises on him and that his skin was looking very ashy. And when authorities saw him, he was actually in one of those wheelchairs that grocery stores offer for handicapped people that they sit in and they wheel around the store in. However, Kenny didn't use a wheelchair. He was never in a wheelchair, so this was also kind of strange to authorities. And authorities went up to Kenny and asked him multiple times if he was okay and if everything was good to which Kenny actually refused to speak to them. Before leaving the Walmart, authorities saw that Sheila was purchasing multiple empty gas tanks, and they thought that that was a little strange, but they didn't really say anything about it. Now, five days after this Walmart interaction, authorities actually got a phone call This time, it was from Sheila. When Sheila got on the phone with authorities, she told them that Kenny was no longer staying with her. She also told them that Kenny was actually a pedophile and that she had an audio tape of Kenny saying that he was a pedophile and that she wanted the police to hear it. Authorities said that they were pretty thrown off by what Sheila was saying. It kind of really came out of the blue and out of nowhere. However, she was saying that she had a tape that proved that Kenny was a pedophile, so police wanted to hear it. However, when Sheila played this tape, they quickly learned that this had absolutely nothing to do with that. Police said that the tape that Sheila played was an audio recording where you could hear Sheila asking Kenny, why are you throwing up? Stop throwing up. And then continued to say, why are you passing out? Why did you pass out? So this was definitely off-putting for police because one, again, this has absolutely nothing to do with Kenny being a potential pedophile. This audio tape proves nothing. And two, police really didn't know what to do with this. However, it was when Kenny's mom ended up calling authorities and telling them that Kenny never made it back home, that police knew that something was very, very wrong here. Okay, we're gonna take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Apartments.com's com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you apartments.com the place to find a place all right you guys welcome back So police decided that the best thing to now do was to go back to Sheila's house and see what the situation was. So they went over at about six o'clock PM and there was a large burn pile in the front of the house that police noticed. Once they saw this burn pile, an officer walked over to it and that is when he moved a log that was on the ground. And when he moved it, he noticed a piece of human flesh on the grass as well as a bone. Police said that just from looking at the bone, they assumed that it was human remains. They said it looked like an upper arm bone. So when police saw this, they automatically went up to Sheila's door and started knocking. And that is when Sheila opened it and invited the authorities inside, even though, mind you, at this point, they did not have a warrant. So The officers were allowed inside and one of the first things that authorities noticed was how unkept this house was. Wilfred used to keep his house in tip-top shape and Sheila had just turned it into an absolute disaster. First of all, Sheila had multiple rabbits and when I say multiple, I don't just mean like two or three rabbits. I'm talking hundreds. She had hundreds of rabbits why i don't know but she had hundreds of rabbits just roaming freely through the house they weren't in cages they didn't have any designated area they were just everywhere along with that the house had a terrible smell to it which probably had something to do with the hundreds of rabbits inside of it. However, there was also just rotten food in the sink, there was dust everywhere, and along with this, while searching through the house, authorities noticed a pair of Kenny's shoes. Now, when authorities asked Sheila why Kenny left his shoes at the house, Sheila said that those were the pair of shoes that she bought him. So when he left, he left the shoes there because she bought them for him. Now, police at first thought that this was a valid answer. It made sense and they would have just left it at that. If it wasn't for Sheila walking the authorities down into the basement of the house, an authorities saw another pair of shoes. Now, these ones were noticeably new. They were in a shoe box. They, were, they looked perfect. So this is when authorities asked Sheila, well, if these are the new shoes that you got him, and the shoes upstairs aren't new, and those are just his old shoes, what shoes was Kenny wearing when he left? And according to authorities, Sheila really didn't have a valid explanation for that. She did not know what to say. She couldn't back that story up because she had already dug herself in with another lie. So at that time, she told authorities that they needed to leave and get off of her property and come back with a search warrant if they wanted to search any further. Now, when leaving the home, police had a very strong feeling that instead of just Kenny leaving and going back home like Sheila said, there was a big possibility that Kenny could have been murdered by Sheila. So the following day, police arrived back to Sheila's home this time with the search warrant. And when they pulled up to the house, they found Sheila cleaning up the burn pile that was originally there the day prior. And while authorities were never able to recover the piece of bone and flesh that they originally discovered, they were able to find tiny bone fragments still stuck in the ashes of the burn pile. Now, these bone fragments at the time were believed to be human remains. So at this point, this house has turned into a full. On search zone. Authorities are searching all through the 115 acres, and they also decided to search through the septic system as well. And that is when they made a shocking discovery. When looking through the septic system, authorities came across a birth certificate of a man named Michael Delage. Now, when police found this, it obviously brought up a whole new list of questions because who is Michael Delage? Why is his birth certificate in the septic tank? All of these questions that police were now trying to find answers to that they didn't even know they were looking for in the beginning. So authorities were able to soon figure out that Sheila had flushed this birth certificate down the toilet as well as some other pieces of evidence. So now the first question is, who is Michael Delage? Well, there was actually never any missing persons report filed for Michael, which was why no one really knew who he was. However, after doing some digging, authorities figured out that Michael was estranged from his family and had been staying at a homeless shelter at the time that he had met Sheila. Now, the two of them met shortly after Wilfred had passed away, so prior to Kenny and after Wilfred, and Sheila used this to her advantage. She told Michael that her husband had died and that she had this big farm to herself and that she needed someone to help her take care of the farm. Now, obviously, this proposition sounded very appealing to Michael because he had been in and out of homeless shelters. So, to go from that to a place where he's now sitting on 115 acres, it's this beautiful farm, he has a house, and all the benefits that come along with that, like food and all of those things. So, he jumped on this very, very quickly. However, this relationship, similar to others in the past, quickly becomes more of a romantic relationship than the proper employee relationship that Sheila had proposed to him. Now, Epping, where Sheila was living, is a very small town. It's the kind of town where everyone knows everyone, so word travels very fast. And so, when word got out about Michael and the birth certificate being found, people started coming forward with their own eyewitness statements about Michael. One person said that during the middle of winter, they saw Michael walking down the long driveway in the snow and he had blood gushing from his forehead. The person driving pulled over and asked Michael what happened and how he got hurt and Michael continued to walk, kept his head down, and only said one word. Michael responded with, Sheila. Now, when police searched through the home, they collected DNA samples from the burn pile, and while waiting for the results of who the DNA belonged to to come back, somehow, Sheila ended up skipping town. She ended up leaving. Police were obviously really frustrated with this because she was supposed to be on watch. However, one way or another, Sheila ended up packing up just herself And her rabbits and she moved to massachusetts she ended up dying her hair red to be less recognizable and also withdrew thousands of dollars in cash now while she was on the run the dna results came back and it was concluded that the dna found in the ashes as well as the bone fragments found in the burn pile belonged to kenny County. So at this point, Sheila is now wanted for first degree murder and police are trying to track her down. So Sheila at this point, it is clear that Sheila has murdered Kenny and she, whatever she did to him, she then burned his remains. Now about 30 miles away from Epping in a town called Manchester, Sheila, for whatever reason, thought that it was a good idea to drop off her rabbits at a local pet store. She went into the pet store and asked the employees working there if they could watch her rabbits for a couple days until she came back to get them, which these employees actually agreed to, and even more so, they offered Sheila a place to stay with them for the night which Sheila accepted. So Sheila and the pet store employees all go back to the employee's apartment and they're sitting there and they're playing with Sheila's rabbits. And this is when the 11 o'clock news comes on and a picture of Sheila and the entire story about what is going on is now playing on the television right in front of them. Now this is obviously when Sheila's cover is blown and the employees call the police and Sheila is then arrested for first degree murder of Kenny on April 2nd, 2006. Now it is after she is arrested that the DNA comes back from inside of the home and it shows that DNA of Michael was also inside of the house. So because of the circumstantial evidence and that Sheila has now already murdered one other person, Police thought it was more than likely that Sheila did the exact same thing to Michael, so she is now being charged with another count of first-degree murder. And instead of fighting it, Sheila actually admits to killing both Kenny and Michael. Sheila justified the men's murders by saying that they were both pedophiles and that they deserved to die. Now, remember that audio recording we talked about of Kenny earlier? Sheila did the exact same thing to Michael. Instead, this time, it was a video version, and this video got played to the jury during the trial. During both Kenny and Michael's tapes, Sheila basically tries to get both men to confess that they are pedophiles and that they do terrible acts to children, which, mind you, they don't they're not pedophiles these this is all something that she has made up in her head there is nothing out there that concludes that neither kenny nor michael was a pedophile. However, according to Sheila, she said that she was put on this earth to do this and to get rid of pedophiles and that she was doing everyone a favor. She thought that she was literally this heroic person who was taking these pedophiles' lives and taking these terrible people off of the earth when there was no proof to show that they were pedophiles to begin with. Now, during the trial, one of Sheila's ex-husbands came forward and said that Sheila had actually asked him to murder Wilfred for her. Which brings in a whole other question of, did Wilfred really die of a heart attack? or was it something way more sinister than that? Sheila's defense team actually tried to plead insanity on this one. However, this was denied. And after a five-week trial, Sheila was found guilty of two counts of murder and was sentenced to two life sentences without the possibility of parole. Sheila did try to appeal her case in 2010. However, that was rejected and she is currently serving her sentence at the Homestead Correctional Institute in Florida City, Florida. Now, the only confirmed victims of Sheila are Michael and Kenny. However, authorities believe that there are many more victims of sheila that they just don't know of yet and the reason they believe this is multiple things however before we get into that i want to remind you that a serial killer is someone who has killed three or more people so sheila is only confessed to killing two people now when it comes to wilfred that's still a very big speculation a lot of people believe that Sheila killed Wilfred. However, the other part of this, the reason why authorities think that there was another victim, is because months after the trial had ended, police actually found a set of toes, human toes, inside of the barn on Sheila's property. Now, after running tests, it was concluded that these toes did not belong to either Michael or Kenny. So, who was this third victim? During the investigation, there were people who came forward and said that there were other men who stayed at this house, other men who dated Sheila. Also during the investigation, police found hundreds of hours of audio footage of Sheila speaking to different men on chat lines. Now, when it comes to Wilfred, his daughter has come forward and said that she never liked Sheila. She thought that it was terrible that they were together. She freaked her out. She thought that there was something incredibly off about her and that none of this information surprised her and that she does think that Sheila was responsible for her father's death. So do we know exactly who this third victim is and who else could have fallen a victim to Sheila? No, we don't. And that's the question that, is probably always going to be unanswered, which is very frustrating, that there probably is more people out there. We just don't know them because Sheila had a tendency to prey on people who were very vulnerable. Take Michael, for example. He was in and out of a homeless shelter. He was estranged from his family. It's not like his family would notice if he was gone for a while because that was just a relationship that they had. And then Kenny, Kenny has an IQ of a 12 year old. She's going after someone who's extremely vulnerable and she just does not care. And she knows that that's the way to do it. That is her in, is taking advantage of people who look to her and think that they need her in some way. And again, the craziest part about it is that she thinks that she is doing good. Now, do I believe that she is insane No, I don't. I think that similar to the description that we gave in the beginning, Sheila knew exactly what she was doing and pleading insanity was just a way to get a lesser sentence and to not have to sit trial. Everyone who knew Sheila said she was extremely manipulative and she knew how to get what she wanted and this is a perfect example of that. She knew how to manipulate the system, she knew how to get what she wanted, and she did up until she got caught. So that is the case of Sheila Labar, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you think. You can always email me your thoughts, theories, questions, comments, requests at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. We post weekly here every single Wednesday, and you are not going to want to miss it, especially because we have Week coming up. Five back-to-back episodes that I know you guys are going to love. I cannot wait to sit down and share these with you. It is going to be a great five days. I'm so excited. Halloween always makes me so excited. I don't know why, but I just get very thrilled for it. And I hope that we will be able to continue on the tradition as years continue. So, with that being said, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, my name is Savannah Brimer and I am your host of Killer Instinct. I will see you guys next week for a brand new episode. And until then, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week and stay safe, guys.